London. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon on a Wednesday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. It's Trent Condon and Ken Miller, and we're back talking to local sports with you from 10 to noon Monday through Friday, today being no different. BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this. Michael Swain covered a, a big camp at uh, Iowa State, so we will pick on uh, pick Michael Swain. Pick on him. We'll pick his brain. Michael Swain, Cyclone Alert, part of 24-7 Sports. Get the latest on Iowa State. Uh, at the South Point, their conference-only win total was published at 7 We'll get into that in a second. Yes, seven does not include the non-conference games, of which in the Big 12 there are three. So we'll do a little Iowa State here at the bottom of the hour with Michael Swain. To kick off our number two, David Kaplan will join us. Cappy back from Vegas, uh, newly not inducted, but uh, named to the Chicago Sportsland Hall of Fame for his career of uh, broadcasting sports in Chicago. A well-deserved uh, honor, in my opinion. And a lot of opinions, uh, people's opinions, if you uh, look at some of the responses, the replies, the congratulatory, t- congratulatory tweets uh, that went his way. Cappy will be here. We'll do the Bears. We'll do the White Sox, who beat my Blue Jays last night. Uh, and, of course, the Chicago Cubs. Patrick Wisdom, he did it again. Eight home runs, player of the week in baseball last week. And off to another pretty good start this week. So Cappy at 11.05, and then Bill Bender uh, will be here, and we will pick his brain. He's been uh, with the announcement of the proposed playoff expansion. Of course, Bill is so good at college football. That's where he makes his living at the Sporting News, and we'll have him in here at about 11.30, 11.25-ish. How are you, Trent Condon? Not too bad. A little, uh, little tired after yesterday, sitting in the sun calling soccer. And right back at it again this afternoon, but yeah, it's all right. Now, do you, do you have an umbrella over your head or anything? Yeah, we like got that? a canopy Good. that, that Good. covers us up. And uh, we were, so the field that I was on, they had problems with the internet there, so I got bumped over to a different field. And so you went to call what game? I was going to do North Polk Spencer, followed by Dowling Centennial. Mm-hmm. I ended up doing Waverly, who won in overtime against Cedar Rapids Xavier and Valley, who won uh, in their matchup. So I'll get the get to see the teams that I saw yesterday again, which will be nice. And well, you should know, know the girls. Yes. Right. Makes it a little bit easier. The prep wasn't as difficult last night, but hot, really windy. And we were on top of the press box. You ever had to do that? Uh-uh. Calling races? No, not on top of take, it. Take the ladder up and, yeah. Well, I've had to do that, but, yeah. but there's, you know, like a, an enclosure up there. Yeah, and there was, and there's, a, yeah, there's fencing around it, so it's not a big deal. But still, it's going up there and even taking you know, 10 ladder steps up, and different vantage point. Getting up there and got my I big like, backpack with all I'm my with numbers you. and stats. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting a little older, man. Not hmm. as... 41. So CISN has those to, uh, broadcasts? Yeah, it's through the Girls Union Network, so uh-huh. you can just go to the Girls website and you'll, it'll pop up right there. You can find all the matches, and in fact, they're getting started here momentarily Jeez. with the first of the day and go all throughout the afternoon. It looks like another hot one out there yeah. today. No, it promises to be uh, just that. Well, speaking of hot, uh, the water might be a little hot for Garrett Cole uh, after uh, what he said yesterday. Look, it's been a story. It, uh, it came to light... Well, it's it's been 
percolating, mm-hmm. but Major League Baseball seemingly has been looking the other way. This isn't a story. This isn't new this year. What we're talking about is the substances on the baseball that's giving pitchers. Um, and, and you know what? You don't have to listen to me. L- l- look at the statistics. Well, why are these all these no hitters? What's wrong with the hitters? How can guys be batting two thirty six? You're kicked out of baseball. You do that. What happened to offense in baseball? Uh, strikeouts have strikeouts have gotten worse to the extent forty seven percent strikeout rate has. They first started tracking this uh, two thousand and five, and it was. Whatever it is was in 2005, it, there are 47% more strikeouts in 2021 than there was in 2005. And at the beginning, when this, when it was first revealed that pitchers were using, um, in Garrett Cole's case, spider tack, as he calls it, um, it was something that was just believed to be to help the pitchers out in the cold weather. Mm-hmm. April games in northern climates, Minnesota outdoors, Boston outdoors, dot, dot, dot. You can pick your northern city, Detroit, and you can almost guarantee that in those games, uh, that if there was something that was found, umpires in MLB was going to look the other way. And likewise, when the calendar shifted to October and there was October baseball, it gave the pitchers, put them on a level playing field. At least that was... What we were told. But it seems like, you know, when it got to May and got to June, got to July, you know what? This really works. I'm going to keep using it until somebody says something. Well, baseball is now starting to crack down. We saw it a couple of weeks ago uh, in Chicago um, when the, I don't know, when so St. Louis, one of the St. Louis pitchers was found to uh, have, have a substance. And baseball is just going to um, finally try and do something about this. So Garrett Cole, who was found in a report that was released in January of this year, it was we were in college uh, basketball, mm-hmm. we were in the NFL playoffs. This report came out early January that there was a trainer for the Los Angeles Angels who apparently was the person that came up with this concoction and was distributing to some of the biggest names in the sport. Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, dot, dot, dot. And he became the fall guy and he was fired and he sued Major League Baseball and these text messages were released. I hope he wins a buttload of money because you talk about a guy that was absolutely screwed. He was a clubhouse attendant. Mm-hmm. Brian Harkins is his name. Right. He started 40 years ago as a bat boy. 40 years ago. And this is something that was handed down to him. To have him be the fall guy. Mm-hmm. For Major League Baseball to get rid of a guy that is living in L.A., maybe making seventy grand a year. Yeah. You know, and to do that to this baseball lifer. A guy that has given his life to the game because everybody else got caught. It's an awful look. I think there's times that people go way too far with their hate of the front office of Major League Baseball and the commissioner's office and on and on. I think people go over the top with that. This, though, this is the low of the low. This is a billion-dollar corporation cutting out the legs of a guy that gave his life to the game. I absolutely hated that story. I remember seeing it. The part I didn't remember, though, was that Garrett Cole was at the forefront Mm -hmm. of it, and a text message was a big part of Brian Harkins in his quest to to get that money back that Major League Baseball took away from him. So that was the part as it kind of confluence and all came together. Oh, yeah, I remember that story. Yeah, I hated that for that guy. Oh, and Gary Cole, his text Justin message Verlander. is a big part of that. Yeah. And then 
yesterday, Garrett Cole. Right. Hey, you, have you heard the audio? I have, Trent, and it's uh, it's it's um. I kind. I mean, how could you not know that question is coming before we play it? Here's the text message uh, that Garrett Cole sent to Brian Harkins, as you mentioned, Trent, who goes by the nickname of Bubba. So I'll read the text message from Garrett Cole, who I remind you is making three hundred twenty-four million dollars uh, to pitch a ball for, to throw a ball for the New York Yankees. More power to him. Hey, Bubba, it's Garrett Cole. He wrote in the text message. I was wondering if you could help me out of a sticky situation. Wink face emoji in parentheses. We don't see you until May, meaning we don't see the Angels until May. But we have some road games in April that are in cold weather places. The stuff I had last year seizes up when it gets cold. The stuff I had last year, you know, it was okay, but it kind of seasoned up. Now your stuff, you've got the good stuff. <laughs> could you help a guy out, right? So that was Garrett Cole. Yesterday, Garrett Cole at a press conference was asked about the substance that is now called spider tack. And here was Garrett Cole trying to, I don't know what he's trying to do. Listen for yourself. It didn't go well. And have you ever used spider tack while pitching? Um, I don't. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if uh, I don't know quite. I don't quite know how to answer that, to be honest. Um, I mean, there are customs and practices that have been passed down from older players to younger players, from the last generation of players to this generation of players, and um, you know, I I think. Uh, I think there are some things that are certainly out of bounds in that regard, and and uh, I've stood pretty stood pretty firm in, in terms of that, uh, in terms of the communication between our peers and whatnot, um, you know. And and I again, like I mentioned earlier, there's you know this is important to a lot of people that love the game, and this is including including the players in this room, including fans, including you know teams. And so if MLB wants to you know legislate some more stuff that's a conversation that we can have um because ultimately we should all be pulling in the same direction on this hmm. <laughs> how about yes or no 15 seconds just to spit out i don't know how to answer that uh-huh 15 seconds seemed like a pretty easy question to me um uh-huh. again so this is when they first started strikeout rates 2005 uh, the number was 16.4. It has risen 47% in 16 seasons. Numbers are down across Major League Baseball. Uh, no hitters are through the roof in the month of April. Spin rates. Spin rates of, continue to go up yearly. And that's how you get movement on pitches. And that's how you see these ridiculous sliders and curveballs and everything else. Even two seamers that are seemingly unhittable. Those kind of pitches, the way that you make them move is spin rate. How do you get more spin on the ball at 28, 30, 35 years old? How do all of a sudden a guy go from a good pitcher to a guy doing this? How did Brady Anderson go from 16 home runs to 44? You cheat. You cheat. Right. And that's what this is. So is baseball ultimately going to do anything? Or is this a head in the sand? No, because here's what I, 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 I think it'll be different, Trent, because people, I don't think... 
I don't think people like one nothing. I don't like to see three up, three down. Mm-hmm. I think that people like offense. I think baseball needs more excitement. Chicks dig the long Chicks ball. Chicks dig the long ball. I don't think that anybody cares about three guys going up there and looking uh, completely lost in the batter's box and back to the dugout they go. One, two, three outs, and boom, they're back on the field again. Uh, so in this respect, because it's going, it cuts to the heart of offense, I think that baseball will not look the other way. I think that there will be a concerted effort to try and claw it back because they knew it was going on. Trent, I keep bringing this up. I wish I could find it, damn it. It happened not too many years ago when one of the Red Sox, one of the Red Sox October runs, and I don't remember who it was against, but one of the Red Sox pitchers was found to have this advantage of, I don't know if it's called spider tack. I've seen it called go-go juice. Um, there are different names for it, but they're doctoring the baseball, and the umpires looked the other way at the time because they thought the pitchers had an unfair advantage because they couldn't grip the ball. Mm-hmm. Well, it's gotten out of control. Oh, I got it here. It was Matt Barnes. In what year? This would have been... And how quick, and I, looked like, I looked for hours trying to find that. Uh, 2018. Oh, that was that long ago. No, man. it wasn't. Uh, yeah, it looked like pine tar was on his arm. There's a bunch of videos here in the column that I found on Yahoo. But, it but was, he was with the Red Sox, right? He was, yeah. Yep. Uh, game two of the NL, or ALCS, excuse me, against the Astros. and yeah. So the was, Astros were complaining about somebody cheating? How about that? <laughs> That's ballsy. Well, they're cheating in a different way. Right. They're doctoring the baseball. When we're, when we're cheating, it's one thing. But when right. they're cheating, that's where we draw the line. So there's a, yeah, a lot in this article talking about that. But yeah, not that long ago, 2018. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't remember because I was my memory was going even further back than that. Than this See, I thought it was too incident. for me. And maybe there was another one. That, that's the other part. There very well could have been another one that this exact same thing happened and eh, just... Turn your head. Don't worry about it. But I think you're exactly right. Because of the way baseball has gone, fans, just it's not enjoyable. No. It's not at the same nope. level. It's not the excitement. The most exciting play in baseball, the triple. Right. You got hit to a gap. Yep. We don't see triples anymore because it's either a home run, a strikeout, mm-hmm. or a walk. Although That's, I saw one last weekend, I think. But and it, it was, was great, it was a, wasn't it? It was, but it was a misplay in the outfield. Well, those helped was, too. was it a Cubs game, maybe? I don't remember. I watched so many damn games. One bleeds into the other. But to help the game for the betterment, this is the time that Manfred mm-hmm. has a chance to not save the game. No, like, and I'm not saying suspend these guys. Right. Just clean it up. Right. It, you've got an opportunity to clean it up. Baseball, they get all, they're in the headlines for all the wrong reasons, seemingly. I mean, when there's a baseball story, it's unfortunate because we love, I love baseball. Trent loves baseball. If you're listening to us, there's a pretty good chance. You love baseball. Um, this isn't this isn't what we want to see. We don't want to see strikeout rates going through the roof. We don't want to see all of the no-hitters that we've seen in baseball. We don't want to see batting averages continue to plummet uh, throughout the league. Oh, that guy's batting two fifty two. He's pretty good. Right. And we're going to pay him this. Right. Um, so I think, to your point, I think that baseball will do something to minimize the spin rotation and maybe bring offense back into the game. Zach, uh, thanks for joining the program. Fire away, Zach. Hey, guys. Uh, former college pitcher here, so I feel like I can kind of give Somewhat of an inside look, not a pro by any means, but glad to have uh, you. Fire away, help us out. 
as somebody that played college baseball in the spring primarily, mm-hmm. that's when college baseball right. is, the pine tar or whatever substance they're putting on the ball, it does help in some regards, right, but not all. So if you stick up the ball, the spin rate on fastballs is not going to be the same because you're going to have less or you're going to have more friction on the ball. So it may help with off speed because you're turning it over, but not in fastballs because you're actually going to slow the ball down. And you think about it, why does a changeup have less speed than a fastball? It's not because the arm action is any different. It's you're taking a finger off the ball and adding more friction with the rest of your hand. So if you're adding pine tar, you're adding friction, slowing the ball down. So I just don't think that it's a perfect argument to say that like pine tar or any sort of substance is leading to more strikeouts. It's like, are people upset that pine tar is used on bats? No, because it's given the hitters an advantage of having more grip on the bat, Mm -hmm. control the swing, right? So they do it. And sometimes it's just simply in safety. You don't want to lose a bat during a time of year that things start getting sweaty on wood, whatnot. But pitching, you're just trying to control it. The guys use it during the winter because the ball is now dry. You're kind of losing that sensation of gripping the ball. Right, and that's why Major League Baseball kind of looked the other way during the cold weather months, right? Right, But But now seemingly... It was okay to use it. You know, we'll, we'll let you get this because we want to keep the playing field level, level in April and October. But it seems like it's carried over into the warmer months. So, do you think it's between the ears? I mean, look at the uh, the spin rate is is going up, and Major League Baseball has identified that as the cause. Do you believe that that is the cause or a cause? No, I think I think it could it could have some sway, like a, a little bit here and there. But what I think has happened is that you have the introduction of sabermetrics and the true analytics. Look at programs like Hit Tracks or Rapsodo that they have truly identified how to spin the ball more. So you have programs across the country like Driveline or P3 in St. Louis that are simply teaching you how to spin the ball faster with using camera angles and like real slowed down um, video that they can go in and track pitch to pitch what spin rate is. So I think the you know, Iowa Cubs are doing that down here at Principal right. Park, right? Yep, and the Astros were the first one to do this on a major league basis, which is why you saw the rise of all these great arms come from the Astros system. The this is the spin rate conversation has now grown across the major league level to the point where every program is doing it. A couple years ago, when you saw the launch and the rise of homers, yeah. was the conversation around launch angle mm-hmm. from 20, 30. It's 20 to 30 degrees is if you hit the ball hard in that 20 to, three, 20 to 30 degree angle range, you have the greatest range for success. Because if you hit a ball over 100 miles per hour in that range, you have a good chance of leaving the ballpark or driving into the gap. So you saw this rise in homers, and there were some things with Major League Baseball changing what the baseball was, and a lot of people didn't like that. But a couple years ago when homers were skyrocketing, the hitters first got to what they were, the analytic side. They got to the analytic side first. And now you've seen Major League programs take into account the data side on the pitching side, and now you're seeing the – you know, the teeter-totter flip where now the pitchers have all this great information on how to to 
truly spin the ball better. I just think it's kind of a cop-out from the hitter's side to say that it has to do with the tacking of the baseball because you you got to think about it, how many baseballs they go through game to game. Mm -hmm. And so if they have something on their glove, you got to think they're throwing it probably two pitches later, that ball's out of the game anyway. So Mm -hmm. it's just hard for me to sit there and think that this little spider tack or whatever it may be, now, Garrett Cole, as a Yankees fan, looks and sounds pretty dumb in the interview. <laughs> yeah. But it's just hard for me to sit here and think, man, this spider tact is the reason that strikeouts are up and scoring is down. That's my opinion. But I appreciate you guys letting me talk. No, about listen, Zach, I appreciate you. I appreciate you chiming in from a former college pitcher. Certainly mm-hmm. something that Condit and I never did. Uh, and, and I'm glad that you, uh, glad you took the opportunity to call in. You're welcome to do so anytime. I, there, there's got to be something to it, right? I yeah. don't know if it's between the years. They seemingly want to do it. Um, and if they, you know, baseball's going to, okay, so April's one thing or <laughs> below this. Um, you can, you can do it in these cities. You can't do it in the, it's, the numbers are what they are. Now is temperature game time temperature? Yeah, maybe that maybe that's if it's I, below forty degrees. Yeah, you, you can you can take the edge. But look, the, 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 is, is a, no offense to Zach and his brethren of pitchers, mm-hmm. right? I love watching a well pitched game, but offense is what people tune tune in to see. We need if you're a if you're a kind of non defense fan, yeah, maybe watch a baseball game, but it's boring. It's one nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, this is boring. It's the same Score some runs that we used to say about soccer. Right. I miss soccer. I want to see some action. Um, I don't know. I mean, there, there's a reason these guys are now being asked about the fact that they're still using it. Major League Baseball thinks that there's an edge. Maybe that. Maybe it's nothing more than they do want to. Look, they put their head in the sand for the longest times over HGH and steroids mm-hmm. and androstein dion and dot 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 because it was offense it was filling ballparks and it was leading sports center and you were cutting into sports center to see mcguire and sosa boy that was unbelievable it was it was incredible we're not doing that to see i guess we do it periodically if there's a no hitter you know you'll tune you'll t- in major league baseball will cut in same. it's not different it's not. time different era also yeah. that's a different conversation i think with this it's impactful. It's not this alone. And, and some people, I, th- I think, go that route that, well, you're just trying to explain it away. No, there's a lot of things that are available. It, it's the usage of pitchers. It's just strictly velocity. Look at the Major League face- fastball, what it was today, and even seven, eight years ago. is a significant jump up of what we've seen. Well, DeGrom's throwing OB. He's topping 100 miles an hour 30-plus times a game. But look at the As bullpens. a starter. You have bullpens where you have four, five, six guys that all are throwing upper 90s up to mm-hmm. over 100. You didn't have that before. You remember, boy, when somebody threw Nolan Ryan hit yeah. 101. Right. And, and just the conversation. Now that would lead Sports Center. Right. Today, you have a half dozen guys that do it mm-hmm. on any given night mm-hmm. that hit triple digits. That's how different the game. So that's a piece of it. And we can go on and on and on. You mentioned the iCubs, though, and have having that machine that shows you the spin rate. Mm-hmm. They have that at Sportsplex. They have that really. At programs here at the youth level across central Iowa. You can go in right now. We could go find you and my spin rate. We could go to one of those places they let but, us in. But can I improve my spin rate? Well, and, and maybe... According to Zach, you can. Yes. Maybe that's something uh-huh. that we, we could go and test and see just how much these foreign substances help. Even a couple of old guys throwing mm-hmm. a baseball. Now think about young, fit pitchers that mm-hmm. do it on a daily basis. Yeah, it happens all over the place. And that also is development. You're seeing... That happened even at the youth levels. You're getting the best of the best. And now you throw a foreign substance in it, 
There's a reason it's banned. Mm-hmm. There's a reason right. spitballs are banned. You know why? Because they work. Right. Well, and remember Joe West, was it last week or two weeks two ago? Weeks when ago two now. weeks ago, right. Yeah. About two weeks ago, exactly. Against Gallegos? Yes, and, and he came out and he... Um, now they're testing balls. Now they're they're checking pitchers' gloves and hats before they leave the baseball, uh, leave the game to see if they had anything uh, that was giving them an edge. Well, we will continue to follow this again. Zach, thank you for chiming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, good to hear uh, you uh, and your knowledge of the set of the subject. It's ten twenty-five. We will uh, get to uh, Michael Swain coming up here in a few minutes. Just a recap last night. Um, boy, the Colorado Avalanche, Trent. I thought they were clearly the team to beat. Las Vegas. They were at the start of the third period if you were betting in game and wanted to bet money line you could get vegas plus 750 plus 775 it was. 5 minutes into the third period it's two all the game goes to overtime and the uh, golden knights have now wrestled home ice advantage away from the avs and how about the way that the um, betting lines have reacted there was a time last week when colorado was I think plus 150 to win the cup. Mm-hmm. Now they're plus 450 in, on the, in the basis of one overtime game. Mike, uh, Mark Stone, overtime winner. Uh, and now clearly Golden Knights are the favorite to win the cup. Tampa on the other side. They're they, going to be tough. They're sitting pretty now, aren't they? They are. They're going to be really, really tough. So I have to look. Do you know who had the most points between them? Now they were down a ways, right? They're gonna yeah, be, they didn't even win their division. They're locked in the 2-3 game. Yes. And... It'll be the winner of this yeah, they one. Yeah, we'll the, they get the winner of Boston Islanders. Gotcha. Who, the Montreal is waiting the winner of Las Vegas and Colorado. All right. And, you know, I was thinking about that too, right? I mean, it, this, this Colorado-Las uh, Vegas series could go seven games. Boy, I hope it does. Mm-hmm. I really do. I've got a nice bet on Colorado, but that's not why. Just like game seven. Well, that helps. Yes. <laughs> Let's be fair. <laughs> um, so Montreal's they are going to play their you-know-what's off and then get, I think... Almost like zero term free square mm-hmm. to the Stanley Cup final. Meanwhile, Tampa's got to take on the winner of Boston and the Islanders, and the Islanders can wrap things up tonight. That series is going to be, I think, what we're witnessing in um, Colorado and Las Vegas. That I, I couldn't pick a winner. I mean, I'm on Tampa Bay, yeah, but I wouldn't fall off my chair if the Bruins win this thing or the. I think eh, Islanders are a pesky team. They Boy, are. It's been terrific. Uh, NBA last night. What did you see? Uh, Sixers came out right away. Trent, they took it to him right yes. from the opening jump, and it played out almost exactly how I said. The, mm-hmm. the hard doubles of Trey getting the ball out of his hands. Really like what they did. Atlanta got back in it, which was good to see, but ultimately it was just too much Sixers last night. Uh, late game was really fun. Really entertained by that one. Mitchell put on a show. He was. Awesome. And uh, Bad Beat, our Bet Rivers contest. Yeah. I had both the Sixers and the Jazz to win by four and a half. Oh, it was four. Jazz, it was it three. It was three, right. But uh, they were up between five and ten, basically the whole six minutes to a minute 12 left. And then Kawhi hits a shot and George hit a three. And, and, yeah. So we're down Betting. to just uh, where we've, we've reached the point in, in postseason in both uh, of the two remaining winter sports, NBA and NHL. They're almost down now to one game a night, right, yeah. in each sport. 
I mean, it's good because you can focus more, but at the same time, it just means it's coming to an end. It's been so damn entertaining. And that'll be the case tonight. Just mm-hmm. one in the NBA, Nuggets, Suns, one, one in the, in the NHL, NHL yeah. Bruins, Islanders. All right, uh, coming up on 1030, we will get to Michael Swain. What did he see at the camp yesterday? I guess it was a busy, busy, busy uh, time uh, with uh, Matt Campbell and his staff. We'll do some Iowa State. By the way, it's South Point. Our friend Chris Andrews, who joined the program at this time yesterday, if you missed it, uh, and you're going to Vegas because South Point is not in the state of Iowa, correct? Correct, yes. At least for now. Uh, I wish they would because I love what they've done here. They've mm-hmm. gone over under win totals on conference games only. And the reason behind that, Chris's thinking was, and I hope he sticks with it once we get through this pandemic, mm-hmm. that if there is going to be a cancellation, he believes that they're going to do everything they can to play all the conference games. But... You know, a non-con might uh, might be um, not sacrificed at the expense of that, but they, they, there won't be as big of a push to make those games up. So they put up conference lines only. Iowa State's conference over-under is right at seven, correct? Seven exactly, yeah. I hate the number because it doesn't have a hook. Right. But at the same time, you can't go seven and a half. Because eight and one's the only, or nine and oh is the only way you're cashing Yeah. That. And I don't think you're going to get much action. And six and a half the other way to, to go down the other way. I think you're going to get a lot of over See, money. I know, you know what I think you're going to see? I might be, obviously be dead wrong, and you can bet your money on that. You're, they're going to hold your money all season long, and they're just going to give it back to you in a push. Yeah. That's why you've got to have the hook on these things. Don't you think? Well, they're happy with it because though they don't like refunding money, well, that money's been sitting in their account. True. And they're adding a little money, and if they get to have it for five, six months, mm-hmm. interest, the amount of money they have coming in, yeah, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Fair point. 10.30, Miller and Condon, back with Michael Swain. I will stay conversation next as we take you until noon. David Kaplan will join us at 11.05. We'll pick Cappy's brain on this spider tack uh, story that continues to permeate through Major League Baseball. And Patrick Wisdom, he did it again. He was here. Did you know that? I did, yeah. I saw Birchie tweeted the mm-hmm. other day. Says, so, "Boy, maybe I should have wrote a couple more pieces on him." <laughs> uh, hindsight being what it is, what a story he has been. Ten thirty. Uh, back after these messages, it's Miller and Condon on fourteen sixty KX and Owen one hundred. Back to Miller and Condon on fourteen sixty KX and O and one hundred six point three FM. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. 23 minutes before 11, as we take you until noon, David Kaplan at 11.05 from Chicago. We'll catch up with Cappy, the Bears, the White Sox, and the Cubs, dot, 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 Chicago Sports with Cappy, Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors at 11.05. And then Bill Bender on college football and the proposal that is out there expanding the college football playoff from four teams to 12 teams, but not until 2023. Teams one through four get a bye. Teams five, six, seven and eight will host on campus and uh, that will be how that proposal is put out there we'll see if it gains any traction michael swain covers college football amongst his many duties at cyclonealert.com part of 24 7 sports michael trent ken thank you for coming on as always we'll get to the camp that you witnessed last night i know you've been busy uh, all the tweets you've been putting out with all the talent that you saw on display but just your thoughts on the proposal on college football we're four through 21 and 22 but expansion likely in 2023 does 12 teams make sense to you michael swain i think that honestly might be a a little too much i think there are a few ways that i at least look at the college football playoff where 
I feel like you either have to pick more of a March Madness style where you cut down the regular season, go with a really big field, and try and go that route where you maybe have single elimination. And I think that way maybe you're going to get the consistent best teams make it the furthest. But I think for me, if I was you know doing the expansion, I think eight teams is fine. You get the you know the five power five champs, and then from there you get you know maybe three at large bids, or maybe you can do a group of five champ in there as well. I think for me, though, I think eight is probably the right number. I think you go above that, though, and I think you really have to make a decision of why 12 or why not 14, you know, and why not expand it some more to where maybe you can make it a big event like March Madness because I think that would be a lot of fun for college football fans getting to travel. You know, you would get games and maybe you don't get very often. And plus, then you're, you're really – football is not one of those sports like basketball that there's so much variance, right? There's – the best team usually wins. And so I feel like that'd be a good way to make sure that you're getting the best teams. But I feel like the current system, honestly, we are going to see the best team win because the best teams are Alabama and Clemson year in and year out. And then it's just kind of a question of which other SEC team, Big Ten team are going to kind of come in and have a strong year. New set of rules, different set of rules for different groups. And uh, everybody swims in different waters. That certainly is the case with those teams at the top. With their two camp time, and you are incredibly busy, you're talking to these kids. One thing before we dig into some of the prospects that you've been hearing about, camps uh, that's been going on at Iowa State, is when you talk to these guys, you're not going to find, at least very often, a guy, yeah, visit wasn't very good. Right. They, they always, they love the this place. This isn't for me. Right. <laughs> You're not going to get that in these interviews. So when you go into it knowing that, they're more than likely going to say so, something glowing about the place. What are you looking for when you're talking to a 16, 17-year-old kid trying to figure out what he wants to do collegiately, what he's looking for? What are you trying to do as as the person part of the media part of it? Yeah, I think for me, and if we're talking specifically about maybe some of the official visit stuff, I think I look at maybe the past conversations I've had with some of these guys because I try and at least have talk to the guys that are going to take official visits at least once before they take that visit to kind of understand, you know, what they sound like in an interview and, you know, what the things that they're prioritizing in their own recruitment. And then, of course, you know, guys that just left campus are going to say a lot of positive things like you mentioned. There's kind of the the post-campus glow, the post-visit glow that kind of happens early on. But I think you listen to what they say, and if it lines up with what went well is what they're prioritizing, then I think you classify it as a visit going well. I think you look at Iowa State's official visit weekend this past weekend, and I think that uh, I've not seen such glowing reviews overall mm-hmm. of just uh, an official visit weekend from Iowa State side of things. I think that they did a very good job of getting kind of a, a bigger group, you know, it was double-digit guys on campus, but they did a good job of bringing them all together because, you know, I think one of the recruits put it really well to me where he's like, you know, we're not all going to end up at Iowa State. The chances of all, every single one of us on this visit coming to Iowa State are, are not necessarily super high, but we're all very much bonded now because we got to spend this time together this weekend. And so I feel like Iowa State did a really good job of creating that bond between a lot of these guys. And we'll see if it turns out, you know, in resulting commitments down the road. But in terms of what I'm looking for, I think it's really trying to compare what I've heard from these guys in past interviews and trying to see if what they kind of saw on the visit lines up with what they're prioritizing. Give us an idea, Michael, uh, of just where these kids have come from. I mean, are they traveling from all over the country to this uh, to this recruiting weekend last weekend? Yeah, the, to some degree. Uh, a lot of the Midwest, right? Yeah. So there was you know, some in-state guys, a couple guys from Kansas, um, one guy from Nebraska, and then a lot of guys from Florida because Iowa State does a lot of recruiting down there in yeah. Florida. Um, so those are really kind of the, the big kind of states that they were hitting. But there was also another guy, you know, Tucker Holloway, is a wide receiver 
out of Georgia that made the trip out to see Iowa State. He's probably the one that came from the the spot that's outside Iowa State's kind of recruiting footprint that we've seen them use in recent years. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of the Midwest, a lot of Florida, and then kind of intermittently kind of throughout the country. So one of the uh, names, and it was a new one for me, as I didn't see Urbandale last year, is Kai Black. His dad mm-hmm. was a track star at Texas Tech. All right, there's pretty good lineage. Mm-hmm. He's already six foot four. just completed his sophomore season with Langenberg throwing him the football around. Uh, tell us a little bit about this youngster again, a name that I think may be bursting onto the seam here in central Iowa from Urbandale. And Urbandale wide receivers worked yeah. out pretty well in the past. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I'll start there, actually. It's funny you mentioned the Urbandale connection because I, I got off the phone with Kai this morning, talked to him for a little bit, and I thought it was interesting that he said that, you know, he's maybe a little too young to see Alan Lazard play in oh, high school sure. and know much about his journey. So if that makes, you know, all of us feel a little older, I think, yep. you know, it's interesting. But, you know, so he's one that I was super impressed by. Um, I didn't know too much about him going into the camp. Um, I saw him kind of during warm-ups and as they were doing some of the agility work, and I just kind of thought, like, wow, that guy looks like he's got really good frame, real long arms. And for those who haven't seen, you know, Kai Black in person, he is built. He looks like a senior in high school, you know, someone that could be in college just in terms of his frame and the way that he's built and cut. But you watch him kind of do these drills, and he looked like a natural wide receiver. And so I think throughout the first maybe hour, hour and a half of camp, I'm like, who is this guy? And then finally ask someone, and they're like, oh, that's Kyle Black. And I'm like, okay, I'm writing his name down because he looked really good in the one-on-one portion of camp. I don't think anyone was as good as he was. I think Alex Moda, you know, another in-state guy from Marion, I thought was really impressive during the one-on-one portion. But I, I thought Kai Black was great, and I think that his athleticism really stood out. He seems like a natural route runner as a wide receiver, despite the fact that he's four or six foot four. So he's going to be one to watch. He's going to camp at Iowa here uh, next week, I believe. But he's got some big time potential. Uh, of course, uh, Ankeny Centennial coach Pizzetti, they lost their quarterback Cole to Crosstown Hawks. Uh, so, but uh, they filled those shoes with a kid who was at Ames last year, Trenton Smith. What can you tell us about him? It looks as though he's going to be Pizzetti's quarterback this year, and he was there last night. Yeah, he was. Um, he didn't do some of the agility drills just because he had a little hip, hip flexor injury going on, but he did throw for us, um, and I thought that he had a, a really good release. He didn't play a ton Last year, Ames, obviously, Taman Lipsy, sure. you know, was kind of the star there. So he played in two games, I think is what he told me. But so he's going to yeah, go to Ankeny Centennial and he's going to try and kind of build on it. But he has some early interest. You know, I know that there are schools and contact rules for freshmen are, are very different, you know, than guys that are like sophomores and juniors, for example. So coaches can't necessarily reach out to him at this point. But there are coaching staffs from Florida, Iowa, Kansas State, Liberty. All of those have like followed him on Twitter and kind of done like the preliminary kind of, hey, we're showing a little bit of interest in you. So he's one that'll be one to watch. He's going to be a sophomore this year, but someone's kind of got a, more of a dual threat ability. Seems like he's got a good arm on him, but we'll be really interested to kind of see him play in person this fall. One more in-state guy I'm wondering about from the other side of the state, and that's Eric uh, Alex Mata, who's from Marion, Eastern Iowa, tough pull already. He also has an offer from Kansas State. He's listed as an athlete. Do you know where Iowa State projects him at and maybe what Iowa projects him at? He's a lot of different positions and an incredible track athlete, too. Uh, What can you tell us about him? Yeah, definitely. So he's one that is very interesting. It sounds like all the schools that are recruiting him right now are recruiting him purely as an athlete. One of those where let's just get you on campus and let's see Mm -hmm. where you kind of fit best. Um, And talking to him after the camp yesterday, 
he seems to like playing wide receiver. He said he felt natural playing that position, and he sure looked like it during the camp yesterday. Um, but he's one that I, I think has got some real high-end potential as well. I know Notre Dame is a program that I believe he visited, but is also showing you know, a lot of interest in him. So he's one that is going to be definitely a name to know. But in terms of his overall ability, I mean, six foot one, you know, closer maybe even six foot two, just he moves really well. He's an explosive route runner, someone that has a good track times, like you mentioned. I think he got clocked at a four five forty. I want to say during the camp yesterday. So a good time for someone that's you know still pretty young in their football career. So. He's another one to watch. I think his recruitment is one that could probably blow up this fall. Hmm. Michael Swain, Cyclone Michael, my last thing regarding recruiting. I know it's not for everybody, but uh, when when you see, and I think the kid that you're referring to from Georgia, was it Holloway you were referring to that came in from mm-hmm. Georgia? Uh, and in his quote, and you've got it on your on your Twitter feed, uh, this is a kid from Georgia saying, I really don't know what to expect, honestly. And I'm not going to lie, now that it's over, I'm like, holy cow. That was amazing. That's pretty. That's pretty glowing terms. Like, I mean, kids from the south. I'm guessing when they're you know dreaming of playing college football and they're in the state of Georgia, Iowa State isn't the first school that comes to mind. But yet you get them here, uh, and his. I mean that that's glowing. That's quite an endorsement. Yeah, it really is. And I, Tucker's great to talk to because he's very straightforward and he was really honest about his expectations going into it. Where. You know, Virginia Tech is the other school he's considering. It's between Iowa State and Virginia Tech. Um, and, you know, he's able to go visit Virginia Tech. He can go drive there, and his family can go see campus. And he was very, not concerned, but very interested to see what the visit would be like at Iowa State just because he hasn't seen it before. He's seen it through Zoom. He's heard Coach Campbell and Coach Shieldhouse talk about it, you know, on Zoom and stuff like that. But he hasn't gotten a feel for it. And so he came away very impressed by overall just aims of the town, but also I think kind of the culture at Iowa State because – He's someone that's a very kind of a faith-centered person. Um, so for him to be able to kind of bond with some of the coaching staff through that was really important for him. So I think Iowa State was one of those where maybe, you know, Virginia Tech could have been considered maybe a little bit of a leader going into the visit, but I think it's dead even now. And so he'll visit Virginia Tech this weekend, and he's going to make a decision pretty soon after. But Iowa State did a lot of good stuff on that visit for him. What's next uh, as far as Cyclone Alert? Is there any more of these events coming up? What will you be following in the weeks ahead? Yes, we've got one more camp today, and then that will ramp up the, or wrap up the camp season for this summer. Um, and then the second official visit weekend for Iowa State will be this weekend. They're going to have another good group of prospects be on campus. And then after that, it's just about Iowa State kind of maintaining those relationships before we get into a really busy commit period kind of in late June and into July. Great stuff. CycloneAlert.com, part of 24-7 Sports. If you're into recruiting, if you're into Iowa State, CycloneAlert.com is for you. Michael, thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, guys. Good to talk to you. CycloneAlert.com, Michael Swain, joining us and helping us out with the clones. We'll take a time out, come back, finish up the hour. Cappy kicks off hour number two. It's Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Local Sports. Now back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Here's Ken and Trent. All right, five minutes before the hour of 11 o'clock, it's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. Uh, take you up until noon. Cappy kicks off hour number two. Uh, some Chicago sports conversation with Cappy. The White Sox began the month of June in first place. So did the Cubs. Cubs no longer there. 
as the Brewers are playing. Boy, the Brewers are playing some great baseball. All of a sudden, you stuck with them pretty much the whole time, too. You never went away your preseason pick. Well, they were. Uh, I've got, what was it, over 82 and a half and to win yeah, the division. You're in really good shape there. Well, the division's the going to come right down to the end, although the Cardinals seemingly are dropping out of it. I don't know what's... I mean, Flaherty, who I saw yesterday, he's going to be out till now after the All-Star break is what they're thinking on him. Um, I don't know about this Cardinal team. Just when you think that you got them figured out, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what sports is, right? Uh, the Brewers and the Cubs are going to fight things out, at least you would assume, for the uh, at least for the hot summer months. Patrick Wisdom. Trent, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, how does this happen, right? It doesn't make sense. Yes, a young guy comes up, or your first time up, and it doesn't. But he's been around. He's mm-hmm. been putting up numbers. 2013, that, he was drafted. That's the thing that's baffling to me. This isn't a guy that in the minor leagues was you know, batting 210 and didn't have any pop, and he comes to the majors and he's right. having a good couple of weeks. He's put numbers up. He put he hit 30 home runs two different years in the minor leagues. So how do a guy like that doesn't get a chance? I know. Yes, there's blocks happen. You know, there's mm-hmm. just guys in front of you that are better. I get that. but And he's not a defensive liability. No. I mean, when when we have Cap here in the next few minutes, so once everybody gets back, and I know Jock Peterson played last night, mm-hmm. and, and Jason Hayward, who's ground ball to second base, 4-3, back to the dugout he goes. I mean, that's time after time, but he's frustrating. Um, so where, where are you going to play Chris Bryant? Mm-hmm. You're going to keep Hap in center. Yeah. Jason Hayward, right field belongs to him. He's a good defensive outfielder. Jock Peterson's he's an upgrade over Schwarber and left. Where are you going to play? Where are you going to play Wisdom? I'm putting him in right field. I know they're paying Jason Hayward a ton. Yes, he's a good defender, but his bat is so bad. Yeah, it has been. Is a couple of play a play a week that he makes in right field that Wisdom can't. Maybe every other game, whatever it is. Is it worth it? So to you're have... putting wisdom and right, not Bryant and right. Putting somebody out there. I put Bryant and right, yeah. and keep wisdom at third. There you go. Yeah. Whatever way you want to do it, just get rid of Jason Hayward. Doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't well, that make just, the most sense? That's easier said than done. Yeah. Because he's still got some years left on that contract. That's uh, uh, he's been a revelation. This uh, this <laughs> no longer can't call him a kid. <laughs> right. Been around a while, but boy, oh boy, has he burst onto the scene. So we'll get to that with Cappy. What's he going to do? Cappy, you're the manager. Go. Uh, uh, Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors Cappy. He kicks off our number two. Bill Benner from the Sporting News. Miller and Condon take you until noon. On Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.